street. Fuck all this modesty. I just need space to do me. Get a run with that trying to see. A Stella Maxwell right beside of me. A Ferrari, I'm buying three. A closet of St. Laurent. Get what I want when I want. Cause this hunger is driving me. Yeah. I just need to be alone. I just need to be at home. Understand what I'm speaking on. If time is money, I need a loan. But regardless, I'll always keep keeping on. Fuck fake friends. We don't take L's. We just make M's. While y'all follow, we just make trends. I'm right back to work when that break ends. And welcome back to the Small Market Insecurities Podcast, episode 53. Oh my God. It's your boy, Phil Razor, once again, coming at you solo, riding solo, in the famous words of Jason Derulo. I'll stop rhyming, I promise. Um, we got a lot to go over on this episode, but we're going to do a little unique on this date in history because, holy shit, I was trying to figure this out. October 27th, there are so many college football records broken today, I'm just going to list them all because you know what? It's my show, and I'll do what I want to. Um, 1967, New Mexico tight end Emilio Valles catches 17 passes for 257 yards to tie an NCAA record in a 75-12 to drubbing of UTEP. Oof, UTEP probably doesn't remember that one. 1973, four players rush for 100 yards as Alabama sets three NCAA records during a 77 77- to six demolition of Virginia Tech. Alabama (laughs) set records with 823 yards of total offense, 743 of them on the ground, while four different players, as I previously said, ran for 100 yards. Jim Taylor had a buck 42, Wilbur Jackson had a buck 38, Calvin Culliver, 127, and Richard Todd, a.k.a. Dick Todd, had 102. Let's go to 1984. There are two of them. There are three of them. Oh, my God. Washington State's Reuben Mayer set the NCAA record with 357 yards rushing. This record has since been broken, but play along. 197 of them in the first half and had three touchdowns in a 50-41 to win over Oregon. Also in 1984, Iowa's Chuck Long, back when Iowa was good and had an offense, completes 22 consecutive passes to set an NCAA record in a 24-20 to win over Indiana. And also, on that same date, (laughs) Sergio Lopez Chavero of Wichita State ties an NCAA record with three field goals over 50 yards in a 23-6 win over Drake. His long was tied twice with from 54 yards. Wow. So, just uh, quite a few college football-related ones, and I would be remiss if I didn't throw those out there to kick off this podcast. We have a full show, and we have we have listener questions. And guys, I know we had a lot of people submit listener questions. I'm going to politely ask that uh, everybody, pretty much everybody, is going to wait for the next podcast that involves the co-host of Chaos and Stack I Nate. Um, so today, I'm just going to go over uh, one set of them because I really liked it. Other than that, we will hold off. So don't, I did not forget you. I promise. Let's hop into it, though. You know what? We're just going to go right into the NFL. Screw it. Guys, Thursday Night Football tonight. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be final, but you got the Ravens underperforming this year up against the even more underperforming Bucks. Um, make fun of me because by the time you listen to this, I'm sure the game will have gone final. But give me the Ravens all day long. Short week. 
I just I don't know, man. That Buccaneers team looks looks like trash, and their twenty-one to three loss to the Panthers last week may be the worst loss in Tom Brady's career. You got to think that Tom is sitting there wondering if this was all worth it. And I harped on this in my last solo podcast, so I'm not going to drag Tom too much. But you really got to think that he's, you know, wondering what all this is for. So give me the Ravens. Uh, Sunday morning, cross the pond. Broncos at Jags. um, At Jags. Broncos and Jags in London. The home team is Jacksonville. Um... Jags, couple heartbreaking losses in a row, man. You know, they, they should have beat the Colts, and I rattled off what a great day, you know, T-Law had. Then last week, man, oh, Christian Kirk tackled with a one-yard line down by six against the New York football Giants. Just brutal. So, you know, I, I, I like the Jags in London. They've won a lot of big games in London, but I think the reason they're going to win is Russell Wilson is the cringiest fucking bastard that has ever played football. I'm going to go off on a little soapbox about Russ here. All right. I've made fun of him a lot, but I've heard more information in the past week. Number one, Richard Sherman on his podcast, interviewing Marshawn Lynch, talking about how you don't really get to contact Russell directly. You talk to his people. Russell Wilson isn't accessible to his teammates. How are they? How are you supposed to lead them into one of the most violent, if not the most violent sport on earth on a week in and week out basis? If there's no camaraderie, no sense of brotherhood, anybody that played football can attest to that. The sense of brotherhood is what makes it great. I find Russell Wilson to be cringy. I think a lot of people do at this point, but nothing is more cringy than him doing calisthenics in the aisles for four of the eight hours on their flight overseas. Holy shit. Could you imagine Jerry Judy's just sitting there? I'm surprised one of those guys didn't get up and just fucking deck him. I would have gotten up and whooped his ass. If I was on that team, I'd have been like, sit your bitch ass down and focus because our offense sucks. You know, sit there and listen to a podcast, fall asleep, do whatever you want. But the last thing I want you doing is working out in the aisles and distracting everyone else. Holy shit. Russell Wilson, get out of here. Jags by a million. I don't even care what the line is. Jags by a million. Let's go to the next game, right? Soapbox over for now. Who knows? Russell will probably do something else stupid as fuck soon. Um, the Dolphins are going to Detroit. Um, yeah, Dolphins are four and three. Lions are one and five. The bright spot for the Lions this year is Aiden Hutchinson's having a good rookie year and Jeff Okuda. DeAndre Swift's been out. I saw Jamal Williams fumble on the goal line last week. They took one on the nose uh, against the Cowboys, to be expected. Or was that two weeks ago? Whenever it was. I look at this Lions team, man. And, yeah, that was last week, sorry. And, you know, they've scored six points in their last two games after scoring 45 and losing to the Seahawks. I don't know how they're going to slow this Dolphins team down. I mean, the Dolphins, you know, won a boring, shitty game on, uh, what was that, Monday night, Sunday night, whatever, whenever that was. Yeah, Sunday against the Steelers, 16-10. to 10. Eh, I don't know. Not great. But... Hey, shout out to Tua for saying he's going to slide more and then not doing it. Who knows what that guy's going to do next? Jesus Christ, he's going to have soup up top pretty soon. Um, let's go to the next game. Oh, and I'm taking the Dolphins. That's not even a question. Um, next game, Panthers at Falcons. All right, so this game is or the two bottom dwellers, you know, in the NFC South, theoretically bottom dwellers, but, I mean, everybody in this division is playing like shit. However, the Panthers are coming off their biggest one of the year. Um... You know, I mean, that, like I said earlier, they took down the Tampa Brady Buccaneers 
21 to three. But I think the big thing for this Panthers team right now, one, they've rallied behind PJ Walker. They, they really have. I'm looking at PJ Statue last week or Philip Walker, whatever he wants to go by, whatever. The pride of Temple, 16 of 22 for 177 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, it's a good day. Look at the running backs too after the, you know, the McCaffrey deal. Deontay Foreman, 15 for a buck 18, man. That's a hell of a day. 7.9 yards per carry. Yeah. And then Chubba Hubbard had nine for 63. They could move the ball last week. You know, it looked like Walker had good chemistry with DJ Moore. He had seven receptions for nice 69 yards and a touchdown. So I'm looking forward to to see what this team can do this week. I mean, I don't know what to expect from the Falcons, to be entirely honest. But, hey, I live down here now in the beautiful 704. So I'm taking the Panthers to win on the road, man. Let's go to the Cardinals and Vikings. I, this is an interesting matchup, right? The Cardinals three and four. The Vikings five and one. Minnesota coming off their bye week. They got the Cardinals at home. I kind of like it, you know. I mean, the, the Cards went out. You know, they got Robbie Anderson. Okay, you know, they've they've done a few things, but I really like this Vikings team, especially at home. One o'clock. That's what eleven o'clock. There's no daylight savings time. We're not even there yet. 10, 11 o'clock, whatever time it is in Arizona, where it's 90 degrees every day. Um, I also like Kirk Cousins more than I like Kyler Murray. Just plain and simple, man. This has become the anti-Kyler Murray podcast, to be entirely honest. But um, <laughs> I like Kirk more. So give me the Vikings at home, man. I think Dalvin Cook will have a nice day against that Cardinals defense. So their front seven hasn't been stopping the run nearly as well as you would uh, you would expect them to be. So... I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings. Get your hot dish out, folks. Um, let's go to the next one, shall we? Bears-Cowboys, don't care. Fuck you both. Raiders at Saints. Oof. Oh, my God. These Both these teams suck. The Saints have lost a bunch of heartbreakers, right? That's just plain and simple. They've lost a bunch of heartbreakers. And I'm looking up and down the Raiders, too. Like, yeah, they've they've lost a few tight games. You know, they blew the Texans out last week. Congratulations. That doesn't say much to me. Um, the Saints haven't played since last Thursday and that blowout or in that shootout loss to the Cardinals. Um, I'm going to, you know what? The Saints are at home. That's a tough place to play, man. I, I like the Saints at home in this game. Well, my boy Olave to go off uh, leading all rookie receivers in yardage. So give me, uh, give me the Saints at home. I'm taking the Saints at home. Uh, Steelers at Eagles. Eagles. Do we really even have to go there? I mean, come on, guys. It's the stack I Nate against producer Brian Bull, but oh my God. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, man, first of all, uh, they're coming off a bye. They're undefeated. The last undefeated team in the NFL, and I, I just, I don't trust the Steelers as far as I could throw them. So taking the Eagles pains me, but give me the Eagles. Um, let's go to a uh, AFC South matchup. Titans and Texans. Do we really need to elaborate on this? The Tennessee Titans are four and two, man. They're right there. And if y'all didn't see the moment with Mike Vrabel hugging Ben Jones, who his center fought his ass off last week. Ben Jones was hurt, came back, was hurt, came back. They're playing a tough team in the Colts. And he, he guts it out for a 19 to 10 win. And man, I, that moment afterwards, like Vrabel and, and him were both tearing up. That's the beauty of football, man. That's the beauty of football right there. I, that, that, that was a good moment. So I want to give big props to, uh, to Mike Vrabel, clearly a player's coach, but also clearly a guy that cares. You know, it's easy to be a player's coach when you, you know, won Super Bowls and played in the league for a long time, but 
it's a different thing when you get past that and you've taken it you know to the next level as a as a head coach and you still show that kind of compassion to the guys like you understand you know the empathy is there so i love that big ups to Vrabes. let's hop down the fucking six and one giants man going to seattle this is bizarre so today the giants traded Kadarius tony now there's hot rumors that they're going to bring in odell beckham jr little reunion why did they ever trade into the browns i don't know pretty fucking stupid if you ask me but hey what do i know they're going to seattle and i think this is the week that breaks their back a little bit i think they lose to the seahawks and this is not an anti-giants anti-big market rant i can do those all day this to me is a pro seahawks rant Geno Smith has been incredible this year. What a revelation. He's been backing up forever, and I'm pulling up a bunch of his statistics and other things, but Geno Smith, right? So, coming into the year, last year he played four games, started three. In 2020, he appeared in one game. Year before that with the Chargers, he didn't even play in 2019. Year before that with the Chargers, he appeared in five, started none. Played in two, started one in 2017 and 2016. Appeared in one game in 2015. He was the Jets starter for two years. And since leaving the Jets, where he didn't start but one game, and then he started one game with the Giants, ever since leaving the Jets, he has started 11 games. Well, right now, folks, this season, he's completing 74% of his passes. 11 touchdowns to three picks. That's ridiculous. Geno Smith is playing, you know, the football of his life right now, and he's 32. I mean, just big shot out to Geno Smith, man. I'm, I'm taking them at home. Give me the Seahawks at home. I'm riding the Geno train all the way till it crashes, man. I love it. So that's my prediction for that game. Let's hop down to the next one. Uh, Commanders at Colts. Commies and Colts. Could have been the Carson Wentz Bowl. Is it going to be the Carson Wentz Bowl? Is he back? I don't know. The Colts are starting Sam Ellinger, kid from Texas. Everybody called him the next Tebow. Didn't really work out like that. But the Colts are his team right now. And I'm going to be entirely honest. I don't know how I feel about that. I like the Colts as a team. Defensively, I love guys like Shaq Leonard. But the Commanders just won. They just took down the Packers at home in what was essentially a 50-50 game. You know? I'm taking the Commanders on the road. Shout out to my brother, Evan. Big commies guy. Uh, I'm taking them on the road, man. I, I love the Colts. Sorry, Andy Chase. Shout out to my buddy, Andy Chase, over at Happy Hour Sports. Give him a listen um, while I'm there, too. Uh, guys, social media, got to do it. Give us a follow on Twitter, at SmallMarketINS. Instagram, SmallMarketInsecurities. TikTok, SmallMKTInsecurities. Also, go over and follow all the guys over at Happy Hour Sports. All right, that was a mouthful. Um, the game of the night, guys, and this is one of the two I'm going to dive into. I'm going to dive into a little more on Sunday night, and I'm going to dive into a little more for Monday night. Sunday night football this week. It's the Green Bay Packers, who are 3-4, and four, heading to Buffalo, and I don't care what anybody says. It's always the Ralph. I don't care what they name it. It's the Ralph. To the 5-1 and one Bills, who should be 6-0. and oh. That Dolphins game was a fluke. Aaron Rodgers had some fiery words this week saying guys that aren't making the plays and aren't doing certain things shouldn't be on the field. Okay, fair. 
Meanwhile, in Buffalo, things couldn't be going better. They've had big wins over Kansas City this year. You know, they crushed the Rams in week one. The Bills are playing out of their minds right now. Not only do I think the Bills are going to win this game, this is going to be the game, in my opinion, where Aaron Rodgers, and I'm saying they lose, Aaron Rodgers is going to be discussing with other guys in the league where he's playing quarterback next year because it sure as fuck is not going to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is going to be the game that breaks his back. And the reason I say that is that division is winnable, but even if the Packers somehow go 9-8 and eight and win it, which would take a nice little collapse from the Vikings, you know, the Packers right now to me look more like the Bears than the Vikings. And Packers fans, I know you don't want to hear that. I know you don't. There's a lot of you out there, so come at me. Let's go. I know you don't want to hear this, but Aaron Rodgers is not going to be your quarterback next year. He's going to go somewhere that is set up to win and set up to win now. And Green Bay is not set up to win right now at all. I don't understand the moves these guys have made. I don't understand how this team drafts. I understand that you know when they go to their Super Bowls and when they are at the peak of their game, they draft better than everybody else in terms of drafted players on the roster versus free agents. They've always had this sense of pride about drafting guys and not signing them to win. Okay. It's, and it's a fair sense of pride. I'm not knocking them for that. But in the modern era, you need to go out there and either draft highly, you know, trade up, draft high, take out at positions you need high instead of trying to hope you hit on a guy or go out and sign free agents. You're the fucking Green Bay Packers. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. Four-time MVP, throw Rogan. And you're going to sit here and give him no weapons? I think Tom Brady may rightfully so be washed up now. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is washed up. If he goes to a, the right situation, a New Orleans Saints perhaps, next year, I think they could win a Super Bowl with him. Truthfully, I do. I don't think the NFC is that good either. So NFC fans come at me. I don't care. The AFC is where the cream of the crop is, baby. Let's go over to the Bills. And I have probably given the Bills more Gakok 9000 sloppy toppy on this podcast than anybody else combined. It doesn't live in upstate or western. Don't say upstate. Say western. I know. New York. You go to Wegmans. You stand outside. You go in. You get a 24 Labatt. You grab a little Wegmans sub. Grab some chips. You head over to the community college parking lot and you break a table. That's where you hear this kind of talk. And I'm going to give it to you right now, guys. The Buffalo Bills are the best football team in the NFL. I don't care about the Eagles. I don't care about the Vikings. I don't care about the Giants. I don't care about anybody else. The Buffalo Bills are the best football team in the National Football League. Not just in the AFC. They're better than the Chiefs. They just beat them. So, you know. And that's not to say that Patrick Mahomes, who I still think is phenomenal, you know, and, they, and hell, they just went it out, went out and treated, you know, they got Kadarius Tony today. That team just got better. I mean, Patrick Mahomes and five number two receivers equals Super Bowl. But I think the Buffalo Bills are better than all of those teams. I think top to bottom, their weakest spot is running back and it's still not that bad. You know, Josh Allen picks up carries. Other guys don't get Josh Allen's built like Justin Herbert meets a lumberjack. He's huge. He'll run you over. He'll jump over you. Shout out to the Josh Allen hurdle memes. I think he's the league MVP right now. I think he'll keep this up the rest of the year. I think he deserves to be the league MVP. 
And I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I, they're going to win the Super Bowl. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I would say the city would burn down, but it's going to be too cold and wet by that time. It snows a lot in Buffalo, for those that don't know. And if you don't know, maybe open a geography book. Understand the topography of America a little better. I don't know. But the Buffalo Bills are the best football team in America right now. And uh, I hope that was enough of a deep throw for all the Bills fans that listen, which there are plenty. So let's go on to the Monday night game that I'm also going to, you know, harp on a little bit. And it's between the Bengals and the Browns. The old Cleveland Browns. I, ugh, the Bengals just lost Jamar Chase for four to six weeks with a hip problem. That's a killer. Now, T. Higgins is a number one. He's a number one masquerading as a number two. I also think Tyler Boyd can step up. He's great in his position. He's fine. You know, they're going to look to run the ball, maybe, you know, run some more tight end, you know, plays, things like that, get other guys involved. But I, I do think that right now, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to, we're going to see how good this offense really is without their number one poster boy that doesn't, you know, take the direct snap. But that being said, the Cincinnati Bengals are still set up for success. I mean, Joe Mixon's a good back. They hate, you know, the offensive line's coming together much better than it's looked, you know, even beginning of the year. Um, I think the Bengals are starting to turn it around. And the Browns are reeling. I mean, oh boy. I just, you know, I've gone through Cleveland's schedule. I'm not going to do that again. You know, they just lost a, a tough one of the Ravens. I get that. But when, when I look at this Browns team, I think their biggest issue besides execution, maybe defense, maybe, maybe a few things, their biggest issue right now is also just how badly this team needs an abdication of offensive play calling power. Stefanski needs to give it up. I think every Clevelander should buy the hat or the shirt or whatever that says run the damn ball. Nick Chubb averages over six yards a carry. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the National Football League. And he is criminally underused. I don't know if they're saving him. What are you saving him for? You are two and five. Two and five. Run the damn ball. If I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, I'd be screaming it all day, but I'm not. So Kevin Stefanski, do whatever you want. That game's on Halloween and it's going to be spooky for Browns fans at home. The Bengals are getting the win. Let's move on. I don't want to elaborate too much on that because I know we're going to get a lot of shit. Let's go to college football. Top 25 matchups this weekend, starting tonight, NC State. Opening up on a Thursday night this week. That'll be an interesting game. I'm looking at it. Vod Tech, 2-5. and five, NC State, 5-2. and two. Um, NC State, 13.5 point favorites. Yeah, I'll take them at home. Carter Finley Stadium will be rocking. And then later tonight, Utah heads to Washington State. The old Pac-12. Anything can happen out there. Utah currently is 5-2 and two in their 14th, right? And they're 7 point favorites in this game. That'll be an interesting one later tonight. Saturday, no, Penn State's not beating Ohio State. I don't know why that's not – I know why it's not, and I'm not going to piss off every Pennsylvanian that listens to this podcast, but I do know why this is not their whiteout. <laughs> um, West Virginia going to TCU. By the way, Ohio State, 15.5-point favorites. West Virginia going to TCU is an interesting one. TCU is prime for a letdown. However, I don't think West Virginia is going to be able to pull that off. So – 
This is this is the one I'm keeping my eye on. Notre Dame, Syracuse. Notre Dame, you know, four and three, not having the best year. Syracuse ranked sixteenth. They are six and one. They're favored by two points. I like Notre Dame in this game. I think Notre Dame will shut that offense down. So I kind of like Notre Dame in that one, and that goes against everything because I morally hate Notre Dame. But and I'm Catholic, I can say that. Uh, Florida goes to Georgia. Florida Georgia line? No, they're they're done. However, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party is on. Uh, I like Georgia. They're favored by 22 and a half. Florida, I mean, you know, Anthony Richardson's a fun athlete to watch, but Florida as a team, eh. Give me Georgia. Um, Oregon's not losing at Cal by any means. Oklahoma State is not losing at Kansas State, but Kansas State is favored by a point and a half in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm taking Oklahoma State. Give me Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. Wake Forest at Louisville? No. Illinois at Nebraska? Surprisingly, no. I can't believe I just said that. Illinois is favored by seven and a half at Nebraska. Did you ever think in a million years you would say that? No. <laughs> you sure didn't. UC, Cincinnati going to play UCF. Shout out. And we will now hop into the listener questions because that has just triggered my memory. To my boy, Drew Gonzalez out in San Diego. Drew, you're the man. Um, Cincinnati going to UCF, UCF favored by one and a half. I think this game's a toss up. Um, a lot of UC fans listen, got a UCF alum that I do business with. So, you know, I, uh, I'm going to go toss up here. I think UC can get the win on the road, but that's not, that's not an upset. UCF's the favorite. So this game's going to come down to the end. It's going to be fun. I alluded to it. Let's hop into listener questions, shall we? Drew, follow him guys on Instagram at Drew underscore Gonzalez O2 and on Twitter at Drew underscore Gonzalez. G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. First question, will Bama sneak into the college football playoff? Yeah, I mean, they can. I don't see why not. Alabama's one of those teams, man. They're never out till they're out. And I know that's that's like Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra-ism right there, you know? It ain't over till it's over. Yeah, yeah we get it. Alabama has one loss. Yeah, they lost to Tennessee in overtime by three points. Who's to say Tennessee doesn't run the table and then lose to Bama, and then they both get in? Or who's to say Georgia doesn't beat Tennessee and then Bama beats Georgia and they don't, you know, and then they both get in? So SEC East has set itself up nicely right now with that win over Alabama by Tennessee on the third Saturday in October. Uh, yeah, Bama can certainly make it in. I don't want to ramble too much on that. Is Tennessee legit? This is a more fun one for me because I broke out some numbers for this. And, you know, I love Hendon Hooker. And I think it's him and C.J. Stroud for the Heisman and everybody else is just looking up. And I know that on ESPN's poll, Hendon Hooker's winning. Great. SEC fans don't have lives and they vote too much. And, you know, they hate their life. But that being said, uh, I think Hendon Hooker will take a loss and C.J. will just kind of coast. But, hey, that's just me. Tennessee is legit offensively. Offensively, they lead the country in yards per game with 572. Nobody else puts up as many yards per game as Tennessee does. That being said, Tennessee gives up 421 yards per game on defense, which is 103rd of 131 eligible Division I FBS programs. That's awful. Josh Heupel, former college quarterback at Oklahoma. Man, I like him. Former UCF guy, too. I like him. But... That, mm, I, that is not a res- recipe for winning. And they're going to lose somewhere down the line, and it's going to crush them. And maybe it's not till the playoff. But 
you go up against an Ohio State that has a top four defense in America in terms of total defense, good luck. They'll be able to throw the ball a little bit because Ohio State's corners are hella sus, but Ohio State's going to move the ball up and down the field at nauseum on them. It's just it, That's what they're going to do, and they're going to win because of it. So Tennessee, get that defense in order because right now, no. Um, should the Padres keep Fernando Tatis Jr.? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 4,000 times yes. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the future of the franchise. Manny Machado, guys like him, they've all been there, done that, man. Fernando is the next wave of baseball's newest generation. And guys like Tatis Jr. need to be there. And he's going to put asses in seats. He's going to be exciting. He's going to bad flip. He's going to have fun. He's going to do whatever. Yes, a thousand times yes, Fernando Tatis needs to be a San Diego Padre. Last question. Who wins the AFC East? Well, I just gave him a blowjob about five minutes ago. Drew. So, Buffalo Bills. Not even a question. Guys, go follow Drew. Uh, make sure you check him out on social media there. Uh, great question. Appreciate you, buddy. Well, he does live in San Diego, so give him a little shit, right? I'm sure most of you Ohioans will fucking hate that. Um, let's hop around now. We have more to discuss. College football, top that off. NBA talk. Do a little NBA talk. Why not? Let me take some water. First of all, story of the day. Uh, apparently, this kid's going to be the number one pick. Wembenyama. Okay. All of his games are going to be streamed by the NBA. I love this. This is phenomenal. The NBA is light years ahead of everybody else when it comes to TV and streaming and all this marketing. Uh, they're going to stream all these kids' games. I hope he goes to a small market. I hope he goes to a small market. I hope he goes to a small market. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I think it's cool they're streaming his games. Get the hype up. It's real. It's like modern LeBron shit, you know, when LeBron and Akron St. Vincent St. Mary used to get put on ESPN2 and shit. It's like that. Um, big shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks, man. They're steamrolling people. Crushed the 76ers last night. Giannis, man, scoring at will, 43-14. and 14. Have yourself a night, bud. And uh, Bobby Portis, dude, double-double machine. He had 20-11 and 11 in that game. Love what the Milwaukee Bucks are doing right now. Speaking of which, speaking of young up-and-comers, uh, guys, I'm seeing so much Evan Mobley hype, and it makes me so happy. I was, you know, pumping his tires last solo episode, and sure enough, man, I'm seeing a bunch of love coming out for Evan Mobley right now on a lot of different platforms. So, hell yes, Evan Mobley, do your thing, bro. Um, next up, John Morant, dude, he's on fire. The only person averaging more points per game right now in the NBA is Giannis than Ja. They're both over 35 a night. Um, I love this Memphis Grizzlies team. I've said this from the beginning. Never been ashamed of this. Uh, I've never had an NBA team, but if I had to pick one right now, and Memphis might be it because I love, I love where they're at, man. Ja and Desmond Bain and, you know, Triple J and, you know, just that entire team, man. Steven Adams, like those guys are fucking loaded. And I, I really enjoy the way they play. It's fast-paced, up and down. And I hope the Memphis Grizzlies make a deep-ass run this year. And there you go. Um, I also saw, this sucks, uh, Damian Lillard out with a calf injury. I hate this. Dame Dahl has been balling this year to start off. And I was looking at the, uh, you know, the Trailblazers. There's, dude, they're 4-1. They're sitting second place in the Western Conference right now. And it really sucks that, you know, hopefully he doesn't miss too much time. Hopefully he's back soon. But, you know, he's been playing well. They pay him a shit ton of money. Obviously, he's on a max. And, you know, I'm really excited to watch what this Trailblazers team can do. Can they finally put it together? Can they make the playoffs? Can they make a run? 
you know, I'm, those are all things I'm excited for. But you know what I'm more excited for, guys? I wanted to go over this. We talk about hot starts. I, I'm sorry. It brings a tear to my eyes. It's so beautiful, man. All eight teams in the Western Conference, in the top eight, all eight playoff teams right now, are small markets. Can you believe that? The NBA, the biggest small market hating league there's ever, ever existed in the history of the world. The Utah Jazz are number one. The Portland Trailblazers are number two. The Phoenix Suns are number three. The New Orleans Pelicans are number four. The Memphis Grizzlies are number five. The Minnesota Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and the boys, they're number six. The Spurs, Pop said don't, you know, we're probably not going to be competing for a title. Well, Pop, if the season ended right now, your ass would be in the playoffs, so enjoy it, brother. And number eight, rounding it off, Denver Nuggets, man. By the way, all those eight teams, they're the only teams in the West that are over 500. So, would you look at that? Isn't it beautiful? That just, that makes my heart sparkle right there. Go to the Eastern Conference. The Bucs are still undefeated, man. They're 3-0. Only team left in the NBA that's undefeated. Other than that, got the Cavs sitting there in six, three and one. Good start for the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Otherwise, you know, the small markets aren't exactly lighting it up. The Hornets are half game out in ninth. So, did some, you know, some, some hot starts, but mostly in the West. But hopefully the East, you know, catches up a little bit. Pacers, Pistons, and Magic just, you know, bringing up the rear like they're in prison. Fucking goons. But, hey, you know what? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll ratchet it up. Who knows? Let's go to the MLS playoff, shall we? I wanted to go through a few things here. And mainly, I wanted to talk about a few of the teams that, before the season, nobody would have seen this coming. And if you're a fan of one of these teams, if you're an MLS fan, please, you know, by all means, reach out. Because I'm looking at these and going into this, first of all, Austin FC. We'll, just, we'll start with Austin. As a Columbus Crew supporter... This, this, you know, a lot of people will say that this is blasphemy on my end. Well, there is no dogma when it comes to small markets, so I can violate it if I want to, because it doesn't exist. It's a fugazi, it's fugazi, it's fucking fairy dust. If I can quote Matthew McConaughey. And Austin right now is going to be taking on LAFC in the Western Conference Final. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like... Nobody on earth would have had Austin FC in this position. And then they finished, what, second in the table? And now they're, you know, they took down Dallas last weekend. And LAFC took down the LA Galaxy, man. So that, that's the matchup. And LAFC, for those that don't know, is fucking loaded. They have so much retired European talent. And Austin doesn't have any of that. So this is a true small market underdog story if there ever was one. And goddammit. I just hope they make it to the final. They don't have to win. That would be painful. But if they make it, we'll cover it. So, I also want to give an obligatory MLS playoff shout-out to the FC Cincinnati team that made it. They won a playoff game. First ever time in playoffs. Took down New York Red Bulls. And then, unfortunately, ran into the Philadelphia Union, who are also playing New York City FC, for the right to go, you know, to the MLS Cup final. Shout-out to FC Cincinnati, man. They... You know, they deserve, uh, they deserve a quick shout-out there for a team that really struggled, man. If there was relegation, whew, they might still be in the USL. But, hey, there isn't, and they're not, and they're in playoffs. And that's real, and that's spectacular. So, 
I wanted to do a little NHL talk before we sign off. Guys, if you don't know, if you haven't listened, if you're living under a rock like Patrick Starr, Nate, Stack Guy Nate and I do a, do a hockey podcast. It's called Beerly Hockey. Follow us at Beerly Hockey, available where all of your podcasts are listened to, wherever you consume content. Everybody's favorite word nowadays, content. We're available everywhere. And please give us a five-star rating on both, by the way, for both Small Market Insecurities and Beerly Hockey. So I'm not, we're not going to talk as much hockey as we used to on here just because it seems kind of redundant to have two, two podcasts talking hockey. But I wanted to give a shout-out real quick to the hottest team in the NHL right now, in my opinion, a team that's playing out of their minds, and that is the Vegas Golden Knights. And the reason I'm shouting them out, one, they're playing out of their minds. They're leading, leading the Pacific Division. They're playing great. You know, the boys are gelling. Logan Thompson looks like a revelation in goal, you know, since they've had goaltender issues um, with injuries. And, yeah, the team's looking good. You know, Jack Eichel looks good. You know, Petrangelo, Riley Smith, you know, they, they look strong. But that's, you know, Shea Theodore, big Shea Theodore guy. That's not what I'm talking about, though. And, I, you know, we, we needed to bring this up. And it's, you know, it's, it's a milestone, a key milestone in NHL history. Shout out to Phil the Thrill Kessel for playing in 990 consecutive games. The streak started on November 3rd, 2009. He also scored his 400th career goal in the same game. And I wanted to give a shout out to Phil because uh, for those that know hockey, you know, but if you don't know, he's kind of like the Bartolo Colon, nowhere near as big, but he's the Bartolo Colon, your favorite pudgy athlete, Charles Barkley kind of build for his career. And, you know, he has a lot of nicknames. You know, Hot Dog Phil comes to mind. But the man's won Stanley Cups. The man's won the Masterson. He, he's won awards. He, he's, you know, he's been an all-star. He's a phenomenal player. But to play in every single consecutive game, including through a pandemic where he could have easily had COVID and had to miss a night, he didn't. And he overtook Keith Yandel, and he's played in 990 consecutive hockey games. And that is a story worth not only discussing, but commending. Uh, shout out to Phil Kessel. Congratulations, man. Uh, I'm sure you'll never hear this, but congratulations, man. Uh, it's cool when a guy can break a record like that. And I, I was joking on Barely Hockey last night when I said that, oh, I'm sure Kyle Ripken might have pinch hit once over the span of his streak. Nope. Kyle Ripken only pinch hit eight times in his entire career, and none of them were during his streak. So for Phil Kessel to not miss a game in a sport that is as physical as, as hockey is, uh, that is an extremely well-deserved and just historic milestone. And I, you know, I wanted to be able to give him a proper shout-out here on Small Market Insecurity. So, Phil, congratulations, buddy. Uh, best of luck, and I hope we get to 1,000. And that'll just about wrap up this episode of the Small Market Insecurities Podcast, episode 53. Man, does time fly. Uh, for the guy who loved to hate Stack I Nate and the co-host of Chaos Skyball, this is your boy Phil Racer saying, Small Market Insecurities pairs well with booze. Love you guys.